<clears throat> I thought this afternoon we talked some about the prophetic church versus the new age. The prophetic church versus the new age. What I need to get you to understand is that what God has for us has one goal and one goal only. And that is to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? It's to advance his kingdom. With that in mind, you have to understand that soul winning is a central part of advancing God's kingdom. The Bible says that we will bring many sons and daughters to God. I encourage you that any efforts you make must have that as a goal. Okay? You, you've got to see that vision before you or none of this makes any sense and none of it works. I have heard Christians arguing about who to vote for. You're wasting your time. I wouldn't waste my time trying to convince somebody that I'm right and they're wrong for a political kingdom of this earth that is going to pass away. Okay? You make more enemies. You need to focus on winning the loss for Christ. Look at all the energy you spend telling somebody who's right and who's wrong as far as a man's philosophy is concerned and you have not won one soul to Christ. You ought to repent. You need to repent. I saw so many people's entries on Facebook and, you know, telling each other off. And I'm thinking, what are people, what is wrong with Christians? What is wrong with them? What's wrong? You don't have enough to do for God. You got to start dishing the dirt with people and calling each other racists and bigots. And I mean, you haven't won one soul for God when you do that. I'm sorry to tell you, you have wasted all that. You've been suckered in by the political devil again. Some of you spend more time listening to the political results than you do in the word. And how is God going to empower you with an explosive word when you're trying to argue with somebody about who's the best candidate? And none of them have a heaven to take you to or hell to put you in, but you feel you need to win that argument somehow. As Paul would say, you are yet carnal. You are yet carnal. There's nothing spiritual whatsoever about that. I see people trying to give a word of ministry one minute in in a word of condemnation of people who don't agree with their candidate the next. I'm thinking, what is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? you got to have one vision and one goal. You can't work toward two. You can only work toward one. And make up your mind whose side you're on. And if you're on God's side, he's got power for you. But if you're going to play these political games and you got a little public voice out there, whatever you do, then, you know, do something else. But let's not let's not try to play back and forth. Let's go with one vision, one direction as one people of God called by God to do one thing, and that is to advance his kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. All these kingdoms and presidents and all them will pass away. You know, look in your purse and see what's on your money. 
they die, don't they? They all going to be dead one day. Huh? Did we affect any of them to go to heaven or hell, or are we just trying to win an argument with somebody? So let's cut it out, church. Let's be the church. Let's be the people who are known when we're in, when they, when somebody's in trouble. Well, I know you can go over them because then people will pray for you. And they know how to contact God. Let's be those people. Let's not try to be all this political nonsense. So if you will turn to, turn to 2 Timothy. <laughs> You know, you got to know when you're being suckered in by the devil and just quit it, okay? Just stop. Slap yourself and say, let me stop this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Hmm? Troublesome times. You think we're not having trouble? Every day our own government is trying to find ways to silence the voice of the godly. You got me? Every day. There are people filing lawsuits against Christians every day. People have been content to have a cross in a, in a, a memorial garden and all of a sudden somebody's offended by it and they've got to take it down. They'll go to court and get you to remove it. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. They had scared straight. Now we beyond scared straight. I mean, that didn't get them straight enough. Now we got to go beyond that. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. You know what that means? Of course. If you come up to me and you a man and you kiss me and you get close enough, I'm going to kiss you back. That's natural affection. I mean, it's just natural. You know, and flesh don't care if you're a husband or wife or who. You get close enough, you get kissed. You understand what I'm saying? That's natural. What comes naturally to you? That's why you tell each other, keep your hands to yourself. Keep a comfortable distance. Don't, you know, shun the appearance of evil. Don't get along with nobody. That's natural affection. Anything else is unnatural. You got me? Truth breakers. Huh? People make a lot of bills, run the bankruptcy court. That's part of it. No integrity. They don't care anything about, you know, breaking a, a covenant or an agreement or a contract or, or something. They had to repay something. False accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Hmm? That's the smoke and mirrors in the church. Got everything but the power. 
got a form. It looks like the right thing. They kind of preach in the right thing. And they say God's going to do something, but he's always either going to do it or just did it. You missed it. Either way around, you missed it already. You got me? It's a form with no power. We missed it. And he says, from such turn away. Now, that's pretty, that's pretty direct. God says, when you find any of these to be true about anybody you know, any institution you're in, what anything, turn away from that stuff. So that should settle the argument about who to vote for. If you're a Christian, you look down the list and you see it says, from such, turn away. Who you turn away. You don't support it. You don't encourage it. You turn away from it. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, laid away with, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never coming to a knowledge of the truth. There is so much information available to people now. You know, we buy self-improvement tapes. We got health club memberships. We got vitamin supplements and supplemental energy stuff and all this stuff and we're ever like oh you know the newest thing is this this makes your blood pressure higher this makes it low and you know i've learned a new thing about oh they've got the newest thing in the cancer therapy and all ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth it is all leads nowhere all this knowledge sets of tapes you can buy self-improvement tapes buy them by the boatloads so-and-so success program, be a millionaire in no time, and how I made my millions in real estate, and they'll sell you all the books and tapes you want, ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Same thing with the church. Look at the denominations that have been here for centuries. Ever learning and never coming to a knowledge of how to get their people healed, how to get them delivered, can't even get them to keep a job and get them prosperous. And they used to be basic. Christians used to be known as the people who always had money in the bank, saved up, had their bills paid, could do pretty much anything in the natural realm. Because we said we had, what, the Protestant work ethic working for us. And it worked for everybody. Now we got tons of churches. People buy tapes every week, sit up there from week to week, and still can't get it together. Don't understand. Ever learning Never coming to the knowledge of the truth. It's a sign of the end times. He says, now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, and we think those were two men, remember Korah and his rebellion, those were two people that withstood Moses as the leader over the children of Israel. So these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Always got an answer for you. Never, ever <coughs> settle on the truth. But they shall proceed no further. You got that? They shall proceed no further. For their folly shall be manifest to all men as also was theirs. Remember the grounds opened up and swallowed them up and their children and their tents and all their stuff? Just like that happened then. They shall proceed no further. Now why? Why won't they proceed any further? Well, next chapter 2, it tell you why.
whenever the enemy sends an onslaught of deception, making a move to stop the move of God, God always has a response and an answer. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and it shall come to pass. So while the devil's kicking up all of this in the last times, verse 17 says it'll come to pass in the last days this. Devil, take this, devil. He said, while everybody's unthankful, unholy, reprobate, without natural affection, condemning the righteous, not being able, uh, you know, disobedient to parents, all that stuff. He says, "At, at the same time the devil's making his move that way, what I'm doing my way is I'm pouring out my spirit upon all flesh. And my sons and my daughters will prophesy. You'll know them as being different because they'll have my word in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their mouths. Cut through all of that stuff. He says, I will pour out of my spirit, out of his spirit, not pour out his spirit on all flesh, but out of his spirit he's going to pour Onto all flesh, that is, starting with the sons and daughters who have his spirit in them, he's going to start moving a wave of his power outside of us into all flesh out there that's disobedient flesh, that's proud flesh, that's angry flesh, that's disobedient to parents' flesh. His people are going to move with that degree of power out on all flesh. And the sons and daughters of God will prophesy. So the Long Island medium is going to have to roll over. Huh? Because we have a real word from God. We have a life-giving word. We have a word of deliverance. We have a word of help and a word of health for people. And he says, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions And your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So from the least to the greatest, that includes everybody. Sons and daughters are heirs. They're the ones in the house who know who they are. Servants and handmaidens, those are the ones who can hear and obey, and they will prophesy. Amen. They will prophesy as well. And he says, and I will show wonders in the heaven above. See, this is what carnal people need. They don't believe God's real. See, they don't believe he's real. I was listening to someone uh, ministering on on this scripture, the one I just read in Second Timothy. And they were saying that they believe that the end times, God will begin to fight for us like he did Israel of old. When he had fire raining down from heaven and the, and the water turning to blood and all of the plagues and all. He, she said because as, as carnal and hardened as man gets in sin, God will have to find a way to open his eyes to recognize God. And whatever it takes for God to fight for his people, he will do exactly that. So there will be signs in the heavens. 
and wonders in the heavens. Because for all the years that the gospel is preached, many people just don't heed it anymore. They just are hardened against it. They make fun of us and and defy and try to get us to change God's word. Huh? Now they're encroaching in the churches, trying to force ministers to marry people of the same sex. All of this stuff, it's, it's, it's an abomination to God. And as much as the church is able to stand and withstand, God then has to stand with us and fight for us and vindicate us. So all of that will have to be done. And if God has to rain fire from heaven again, he will rain fire from heaven again. Because the earthquakes don't register with people. The hurricanes don't register with people. All of this stuff registers very little with people. And so God will have to go to the next level as far as showing people that there really is a God. Because people need to know that God, he has to reveal himself to all humanity. So your sons and your daughters will prophesy and on servants and handmaidens. I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass then. See, we've, heard, we've had the soft sell. We've had people praying for people at their jobs, people reaching out to people, ministering to them, you know, showing them the love of God, showing them God is good and his mercy endures forever. But if that don't work, then we escalate the program and we up the ante a little bit. So then when they see the moon turn into blood and signs in the heaven, Oh, then they'll think to call upon the name of the Lord, and God says they will be saved. See? Where the soft sell and the nice program doesn't work, they think God's a pushover. They think God and Santa Claus are the same person. We can go on and sin and, you know, call ourselves gay. You Christians are are all sour pusses. You don't look like you enjoy life. Come on over here and be gay with us. Hmm? And so what, what the enemy's doing now is he's taunting the church yes. huh, to move off of her stand and off of her position of righteousness in the earth so that God's power will be removed from the church and we'll be just like everybody else. That's what the enemy wants is for the power to leave the church. And so but God is doing something totally different. He is putting an explosive word into his people. A word that won't be able to be refused. A word that's going to hit with such impact. People will think they've been hit in the face with a pan of cold water. Huh? I've had people do that. I've had that reaction from people. And I was just speaking what I knew in my heart to be right. But when, when, the, when we confront that new age religious devil, and that's the one that's got a lot of people bound up because they don't discern. They're like little blind people trying to feel their way and they don't discern that there's there's a difference there that that's not God they think they have God and so when that that thing starts to to uh, come and, and grip on to people then the church will have to hit that with a word that wakes them up see? 
I've had people, you know, I would tell them, you know, just what God was telling me. And they look at me like, you know, like, hmm, that word will, it'll, you know, where are you going to hide once that thing strips the, the blinders off of you? There's no place to hide anymore. And so they will be able to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You got me? They may not live to be the church and be anything powerful and great and mighty, but they'll get in. You got me? So God has a plan for people who have been deceived by the enemy and been deceived. And the end time plan is that when people get to that point where you can give them a word and get their eyes opened, then they can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Now, how much time God gives them is between them and God, but God wants every soul saved. You may find yourself in a position where you don't even know why you're there. You know, I've been in places many times, and I'm sitting around, I say, okay, God, now listen, I've been here for so-and-so, what's the deal, what's going on? And then finally, I'll, I'll speak to somebody, and I'll know that that's why I'm there, because they, that word needed to be delivered. Now, if you don't think that word's important, you've got another thing coming. That's the only thing that stands between you and certain hell is the word of God that's in you. Huh? That's what separates you from the New Age believer. That's what separates you from the sinner. That's what separates you from anything that's unrighteous and unholy is the word of God that you have on the inside of you that you believe and you know is true. See? You've got to know this, and you've got to know God, and you've got to know to stand up for God. You've got to be beyond, I'm afraid I'll offend somebody. Prophetic people don't even think that way. Give me a break. Miss Pat, if you were drowning, and you were in your nice dress, and that's all I had to grab to save you, do you care if I rip your nice dress? That's what I thought. See, that's the way all drowning people are. That's the way all hell-bound people are. They don't care if you hurt their feelings. As long as they know they ain't going to hell, you got a friend. You made a friend. You got me? And so that's the way the church is going to have to operate. You're going to have to, to focus on so much on faith that you've got to believe that you must deliver that word and you must speak for God, and that's all you believe. You're not even concerned about the fallout. You're not concerned about who doesn't see it the right way or if they believe that in that church or they don't believe that in that church. You'll have to deliver the word of the Lord because it is truth, and you've got to know that that's true. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, in uh, Micah chapter 4, I'm going to turn there and read that. 4 verse 1. But in the last days... It shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of God shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he shall teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. 
but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. For all people will walk, every one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And also in, um, what did I do, 4 through 1? And in that day, verse 6, saith the Lord, will I assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted, and I will make her that halted a remnant. And her that was cast afar off a strong nation. So God is going to bring people who have turned against him back to him again. He's going to bring them to repentance and back to him again. And the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion. That means from the church. Zion is the holy place of God. And from henceforth even forever. And thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come, even the first dominion. The kingdom shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. Now why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor Paris for pangs have taken over thee as a woman in travail? In other words, the church will bring this forth. You will bring forth a nation committed to God. God will start to talk to people. People will be glad to know that God's there for them. They will be revived in their spirits and come back to the Lord. So you can see that the end times it's talked about in such a negative fashion will must give way to an end time that will bring reconciliation to God and to man and to peace again in this earth. He says, be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, that's us, like a woman in travail. For now shall you go forth out of the city and you shall dwell in the field and you shall even go to Babylon. There shall you be delivered. There shall the Lord redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let her be defiled. Let her look upon Zion and so forth and so on. So there is a move to try and corrupt the church. But God says that if you will stay with him, he will deliver you. And you will deliver a word to such a degree that people will look and see. They'll say, let us go up to the house of the Lord. We want what you have. We want God. We want Jesus. We want the real thing. We want that. And that will come to the, to, the, to the age that makes their declaration about the Lord. All we have to do is stay faithful. And he says, travail and labor and bring this thing forth. Just keep at it. Keep what you're doing. Be fervent about it and be true about it. In Isaiah chapter 2, starting in verse 20, uh, verse 2, it says the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It'll come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established. Same thing in Micah. In the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. So the... The people of God will be a sought-after people, not persecuted forever, not running forever, not being uh, sued in the courts for preaching the gospel, but will be sought after. And he says, it'll come to pass, they'll, and, and all nations shall flow into it, and many people shall go and say, come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways. And we will walk in his paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations 
and he will rebuke many people. And they will beat their swords in the plowshares and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nobody can bring that peace but God. He caused people to voluntarily lay down, you know, their arms. Like everybody's trying to get somebody to keep from getting this so they can make a nuclear bomb. Forget about it. That's never going to work. You got me? As the church goes forth declaring the word of the Lord, just go forth and be the church. Don't be something else. Don't try to be something we're not. Just be the church. Be who you know you are. And he says, and they will, they will beat their swords in the plowshares. In other words, instead of weapons that hurt each other, we'll have weapons that will attack the earth and cause it to produce for people. And their spears in the pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they, they be replenished from the east and are soothsayers like the Philistines and are pleased themselves and the children of strangers. Now that's the polluted church. You know, I get, uh, uh, you know, Facebook people, they sound real nice. You look up their their profile and their Christian pastor this apostle that and then they send your horoscope every day confused there's a lot of confused people out here he says their land is full of silver and gold neither is there any end of their treasures their land is also full of horses need that horses is is strength to to fight neither is there any end of their chariots their land is also full of idols they worship and work of their own hands, they worship the work of their own hands. You got me? They're two and three jobs. You, yeah, you lazy, you lazy ting, you, you only got five jobs, you need six jobs, man. Huh? It says, and the mean man bows down, and the great man humbles himself, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock and hide there in the dust for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. You got me? So everybody who's saying, you gotta, you gotta, if you don't say this, you're a racist, and you're a, a gay basher, and you're a hater, hate speech in the church, all that, they're going to shut up. God's going to make them shut up. You got me? For in the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and everyone that's lifted up, and he shall be brought low. And upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up, and upon the oaks of Bashan, and upon all the high mountains, and so forth and so on. And so God will make an end, folks, of this haughtiness and this pollution against the word and in this mixture of of things that people believe now that where they used to be christians and and they were staunch christians now we believe a little bit of everything because we don't understand how to fight compromise we don't understand that a little leaven leavens the whole lump you got me and a little bit of compromise and a little bit of fear of man a little bit of trying to get along with people you got me so anyway, what the Lord was showing me is that the church must continue to establish God's kingdom here on earth. And many times attacks against the people of God bring us to compromise. 
and we cease establishing the kingdom. Many times trouble in your personal life. You, you First thing you do is back down from trying to find people to share Christ with because you're absorbed in your own problems. You think, you know, this is, you know, well, you know, well, yeah, I'm a witness to somebody and we never get around to it because we're so consumed with what's going on in our personal lives. Many times we're not as zealous as we have been or as diligent as we have been in the way that we we uh, approach the things of God. You know, you start to slack off. You know, I, I, it blesses me to see people that, that I've seen in the ministry for many years still diligent, taking notes and, and paying attention and grabbing everything they can uh, from God because I know that if you put in the time here, it'll pay off over there. You got me? It, it's, it makes a difference. When God says, attend to my word, it means when my word goes forth, you give that your full attention. You know, you give it your full attention. You know, I know we got these, you know, little phones on the Bibles on the cell phone and all that kind of stuff. But make sure it's not a distraction, something to play with. And then you get sleepy instead of paying attention and making notes and all this. This is no time to go to sleep, church. This is a time to be fully awake, to be fully engaged. When you go out every day, you need to be looking for somebody to share Christ with. And I don't mean arguing with people to try to be a know-it-all and, and, and talk them down and make them feel like you're somebody that, that's bigger than they are, more powerful than they are, but, but be a helper to mankind, a helper to humanity, somebody who can bring the love of God to people and not just a bunch of words, you know. Words aren't worth much if they don't hit the target. And so God, God is training us to be diligent and to be faithful with our words and to grab on to what God has for us while we're in his presence you know get what you can get while you're there and so the church has to continue to establish God's kingdom down here on earth the gospel is preached to increase the kingdom to bring many sons and daughters to God and also to equip the saints to do the same thing, to bring many sons and daughters to God. You equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Spiritual equipment means nothing if you're just trying to get your bills paid. You know, you can spend a whole lot of time uh, running around in circles trying to do something that God's already given you. And so we have to understand that God has given us certain things and he gives you faith to to believe for your needs to be met so you can be freed up to go out and preach the gospel so that you can share Christ with other people. And so in 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 doing this, we need to understand that we have an adversary that is trying to stop us. He tries to divert us. He gives us, you know, Ooh, look what I'm doing over here. I'm taking this from you. I'm taking that from you. You can't have this. You can't have that. That kind of thing. So he wants to keep as many as possible from receiving Christ. And the way he does that, he keeps the saints bound up in a bunch of nonsense. If it's not self-absorbed things like when am I going to get mine? When is my answer to prayer coming? And when, 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 me, 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 all that kind of stuff. 
then it's it's some kind of of uh, diversion, some kind of pollution of the way we believe and the way we speak and what we believe God's doing, what we believe he can do, all that kind of stuff. Or religion, you know, telling people God won't do certain things unless you do something, you know, that kind of stuff, a bunch of legalism. And so he's got all kinds of diversions and traps set for us. But we as a church have to be people of faith and rise up above that and say, you know what, devil, I don't know about all that stuff over there you're talking about, but I do know this. You ain't stopping me from getting out of here today and sharing Christ with somebody. You're not going to stop me from doing that. You're not going to stop me because that's what I'm here for. I'm here to stop your little stuff, and I'm here to establish more of God's stuff. So the gospel must be preached. To increase the kingdom. There's no way we can increase God's kingdom without sharing Christ, the life saving power of Jesus Christ. You can't do it. You start with being honest about what He did for you. Huh? Now, now I got saved about 30 years ago or more. I may not need to go back that far. I might need to talk about how he saved me this morning from getting up cussing somebody out. Or, I mean, talk about what he's done for you lately. Huh? Huh? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, right. right. That. That's what I want to hear about. Huh? <laughs> you know, the truth about things. You know, Christians... We try to, we get out of here, get, get from amongst one another, and then we want to go out to the, to the world and give them some soap opera type, our rags to riches story. Well, you know, it's worldly people that's got them and got some better ones than we got sometimes, huh? But why don't you tell him about the fact that you were saved for four years and you were still sleeping around? And and God told you not to do that no more. You finally heard him and obeyed him. Or about you was a deacon in the church and you wasn't even saved. And you got on your knees one night. You was on the deacon board for 12 years and you finally received Christ as your Savior. After running the church for all them years. Huh? How come we can't tell what he's done for us lately? That's what I'm talking about. Huh? See, that'll get some of your religious friends saved. Huh? That'll get some of them gay choir directors saved. Huh? It'll get some of them saved. If you really tell the truth, that's a life-changing power, Jesus Christ. Huh? I said, tell them I sat up there for years and I was a hypocrite. I didn't know no better. I thought I could just do that and get away with it forever. And then one day God got me. Huh? And I cried like a baby and I said, Jesus, I am so sorry for disappointing you all this time. I could have done this a long time ago if I wasn't such a game player. Huh? You hate the player and the game. I hate both of them. Huh? Because it's just religious nonsense. People come in here for years not living right and everybody know you ain't living right. But you want to pretend to be all knowledgeable and everything. Why don't we talk about that sometime? Huh? What has he done for you lately? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, excuse me. Where was I? 
But that will change somebody's life. See, the right person, when God opens your mouth and and tells that to the right person, that will set them free. That will help them and get them on straight street. We got famous people on, on Christian television every day that don't know anything about the truth of the gospel. They're all believing lies. Huh? All believing crazy stuff. All they're doing is trying to outdo Hollywood. You got me? Oh, you know, uh, oh, you got to come to our church. Uh, we've got we've got state of the art. Our children's church has state of the art Disney. Uh, uh, it's a state of the art Disney. You mean you get saved and you give up everything we give up to live for Christ, and then we take our kids to a Disney church? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then people say, oh, we got to go there. They'll never tell them anything about God. They'll tell them about Mickey Mouse all day long. See? Hmm? We got that right. We lose a whole generation because they come to church to play. And they come to church not to learn about God. They don't, Disney state of the art, you'll never get a kid praying and laying hands on each other and praying tongues in an atmosphere like that. I'll tell you right now you won't. But you'll get the parents snowed into thinking, well, it's got to be okay because look, our, our, our pastor's on television. It's got to be right. So Satan wants to keep as many as possible from receiving Christ and he does it by hindering the church. Because he's got them already. All he has to do is keep us away from them if we have the right word. Or pervert the word that's in us so we don't give them what they need. Huh? And give them more religion. We need to know that God's word is truth. New age and all other religions preach lies. You got me? They preach lies. So the church has to be established in truth. That means you got truth the day you were born again, and you keep building on that truth every year and every day that you're saved. The church must be bold in her faith and believe her own message. Huh? How can you tell somebody Jesus can heal them if he hasn't healed you? Huh? Because you won't let him. The only reason he don't heal, you won't let him. So true. How can they believe in household salvation when you're the only person saved in your house? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. In mighty quietness, Presbyterian Church. Uh huh. Yeah. What has he done for you lately? The church has got to have living proof, living proof of the existence of a holy God. We've got to have living proof that holiness is not just you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. But you don't do that because you got something better. You don't do that because you got something better. You don't do that because you got something better. 
Huh? Yeah, I remember I was making flyers one time. This was years ago. I was in the in Kinko's and I was making flyers. There was some kid there and he was making flyers. I was making them for uh, something we were having, you know, the ministry was having. And he's got his little flyers from some little club. He's doing something. And he said, that's all you ever do? I said, you know what? I used to do what you're doing. I said, but I met Jesus and he delivered me from that. I said, because that was taking me to hell. I said, this is getting me to heaven. Made me mad. See, if I'd have been in a better mood, <laughs> I'd have been nicer. He ticked me off. Huh? I said, I used to do that. Uh, that was my testimony. I used to do the, the club thing and the band thing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I was going to hell when I did that. So I turned around. I don't do that no more. So never did ask him to come to Christ. As far as I know, he's still standing up there in Kinko's looking confused. But, you know, God will send the next person to talk to him. You know, I planted a seed, planted a seed, planted a seed. So as a church, we've got to be established in truth. You can't worry about what somebody thinks of you because of what you do and you don't do this. And you can't think about that. You just have to believe and do what you do and keep doing what you do louder, stronger, bolder, with more confidence. People who are public people that fall have pretty much shot their witness. You got me? It's up to God to reestablish them so we don't have to, to sit up and drag the wounded around. You understand what I'm saying? As an army, you've got to stay fresh in what you know. You've got to stay current in what you know. You've got to keep going no matter who goes with you or don't go with you. And we love them all, but if they ain't smart enough to stay in the place with God, if they ain't as smart as you are to stay with God, come on now. The church must be bold in her faith and believe her message and have living proof of what she preaches in demonstration and power of the Holy Spirit. Got to have that. You can't shy away from the power. You can't shy away from telling people. You know, when they complain about sickness, they say, you know what, Jesus will heal you. Can I pray for you? That's all you got to say. And God will confirm your words. You don't stand back and say, well, I wonder if if God, if I talk to them, if I say that, if God's going to do it. You won't know till you say it. That's faith. That's faith. Huh? That's faith. That's a prophetic word. That's an explosive word. That's a word that will work all the time. You tell them, let me pray for you and God will heal you. Huh? You get that bold, God will definitely back you up, huh? She said, who said what down? Let me get up here and do this thing for her. She said, what? In the middle of where? Yeah, I think I'll confirm that word. The early church was a prophetic church. The early church was a prophetic church. That's what's been missing from... Every age and every move of God is a sustained move of prophets in the earth. Now there's more prophets than you and I want to even think about. I'm thinking, God, they're coming out of the woodworks. Then the people who have been here under another name, another identity, now all of a sudden are prophets. So, you know, it's God is releasing more. And if they will get 
in the flow right in the right flow with God and not let the devil pervert twist or steal what God wants them to do they'll be able to impact the church the way they're supposed to impact the church see this thing about just giving people personal prophecies all the time is something that 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 people are demanding because they don't want to have their own relationship with God you got me so if if they can shortcut you know worship in the word meditating on the word getting their mind renewed all that if they can shortcut that and just get a word then they'll do that see and so the prophet now see once everybody's got a word then the the party will be over they'll sit up and look at the prophet say oh he's back again well he gave me that word the last time and it ain't come to pass yet so we'll skip on that one this time and see that'll teach them that'll make them go back in the prayer closet and get a message for the people Instead of just living off that gift all the time. Huh? Because the gift will work when you draw on it. See? It'll work when you draw on it. When the people draw on it, the gift will work. See? But once the people don't want it anymore, gift is off. So now we stuck. What do we do now for the, you know, the multi-million dollar building we stuck paying for? How are we going to get that money now? They don't want a word anymore. You know, you start charging for a word and people start running up throwing money. Well, they ain't going to do that for so long. They're not going to do that forever. And so now it's going to force the profit. So we've seen a great advance, but we're going to see a retreat again. Where now they've got to retreat and go back and find out what did God really tell me to come out here and tell these people before I started charging them for prophecies. Huh? And so they're going to have to go. See, that's what distinguishes the, the grace gift of prophecy from the office of the prophet. Is the office always comes with a message. It always comes with a message. Huh? And so, you know, they're going to have to go back now and find a message from God. They're not just here to give out prophecies and take up a second offering. Huh? not what they're here for but see that they everybody wants to be loved and they think that's what makes them loved and they don't want to get in the closet and get a real message because they know people ain't gonna want to hear that see because the biblical pattern is they don't want to hear what you got to say huh so now we got all these happy prophets that feel loved and accepted. They, they want me. Look at the crowds. They're all lined up. From, but that's going to dry up the minute God says, okay, they know you can do that now. Stop it. Huh? Stop it. And come back to me and get your message like you should have got before you jumped out there. Huh? So if they don't have a message, they're not going to last very long. Huh? They go back to, you know, working in the factory or painting houses or whatever they did before. Driving a truck, as Norval Hayes would say. You got me? But they'll go back to doing something because it's going to dry up real quick if they don't get a message. You got me? So the smart ones get their message before they jump out with all the rest of the stuff. huh? So the early church was a prophetic church. They had the influence of all five ministry gifts in the early church. So they had 
fivefold government there. And they all had the power available to their generation. So they made the power of God available to everybody in their generation. Traditional churches do not. They generally have their one one note one note song pretty much. They have a pastor who's a shepherd over all the sheep and they seldom get much maturity because the sheep only get one flavor. You got me? One flavor of food. They don't grow up into the full stature of Christ the way Ephesians 4.11 says it, that it's supposed to happen. Prophets are generally not welcome in traditional churches. They're not welcome in traditional churches. So my advice to you is if that your church isn't headed by a prophet, you must move on. You know, people don't believe you. They think, well, you know, he's a nice man and he's open to this. And open. they be open one day and kick your butt out the neck. <laughs> There's another trick of the. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can come here. Oh, yeah, we accept your gift. Next thing you know, the door is locked. <laughs> I'm a witness. <laughs> so prophets are generally not welcome in traditional church. Apostolic authority or other prophets will welcome you, but traditional churches will not. Let me tell you why. When, you, when the, the, the church is, is based on authority, and if a house is already under the authority of a gift, if there is a gift that has an anointing with greater light, Then we got a situation of light versus light in the house of God. And whoever is the authority there calls the shots. I don't care if your light is greater. Huh? They put it out. <laughs> they kick you to the curb. Huh? And it's good for you because you need to be where God wants you to be. And if you've grown up as much as you can under that gift, then it's time for you to move on and establish what God's given you to do. And so you'll be able to establish light and and you'll be able to bring others into that light because God has matured you. If you can mature under a pastor without them killing you, you know, if you're a prophet, then you've gained at least the anointing that comes out of that office as well. But it won't be a happy marriage, I'm here to tell you, because the greater light is always going to reflect badly on the lesser light. Got me? There's no, there's no way you can stop that. So, so say, for instance, this gentleman's a nice man. He's, you know, oh, yeah, we've been praying for people like you to come. No, you haven't. <laughs> I know you haven't. You've been praying for people, but you ain't been praying for me. You got me? Because what's going to happen is that when God's anointing starts to come on me and I can prophesy and bring light and revelation and the sheep see that and then your light isn't as great, what we going to do? We going to live happily ever after? I don't think so. <laughs> so some's going to have to give way to something else. And usually what happens is if people are smart, 
they will get under apostolic authority and apostles can generally sort it all out and help to, it to stay organized and prosperous and fruitful and bring peace there. So traditional churches do not uh, allow the power there, but much uh, prophets are not welcome there, but they are much needed. Not for prophecy only, but because the anointing is powerful enough to confront and overcome powerful spiritual forces that want to keep the church in compromise. So when God draws a prophet to a place, if the people there will let the prophet do his job without disturbing them, you know, being disturbed, letting the devil come in and tell you, well, they're going to take all your people. That's the first thing, you know perverted shepherds think is you know people are going to leave well they leaving anyway that's what sheep do they come and they go got me (coughs) now some of them stay you know the ones that got sense and know where they belong they'll stay but there's always this roving band of sheep going uh, you know eating over here pooping there and leaving a mess and then go on to the next place eat over there and you understand what i'm saying that's what sheep do and so if, if we understand that, that that gift is needed there so that the atmosphere can be conducive, because we all have the same vision. The, the all five ministry gifts see the earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. They want souls one. They want, but some of them do not want God's perfect government over their church. They want it the way they've had it all the time. And nobody wants to be told they got to listen to anybody, see. And so that's where the problem really comes in, light versus light. There's, that's always the problem in the church. And so um, there are forces that want the church to compromise. And when the prophet sees that, they go after that. That's like a, a, a dog in a meat factory. You know, the minute they smell something that's not right, you know, and you can tell they're all pointing toward it, you know, and they want to attack it and take it down because it's not right. You got me? And so if if pastors can allow that to happen, they can have a place that that is endued with the power of God where people the sheep can be empowered you know the pastors most of their complaint is I can't get my people to get up and do anything well you don't have the equipment to get them up to do anything you got me they see in the word what's supposed to be done but they can't get people to do it because they are not gifted to empower them to do these things see and so if we will allow people, you know, basically what, what people do when they're under pastoral authority is they learn how to be consistent Christians. Come to church regularly, give regularly, take care of their families, stay with the family. That's good pastoral oversight if they can bring that to people. But to empower them to go out and do the works of God, that takes a different anointing. That won't happen under that anointing. You might have a few people here and there that break loose and go do something on their own. And then the leadership gets nervous about it. Well, did you see so-and-so brought brought four people to church this time? And they just keep going around finding all these people. I wonder if they think they're called to do something. You know, there's a lot of suspicion that comes when gifts are revealed or gifts are suspected of being 
in the house where there's no authority to empower them to do the gift properly. And so that's why evangelists, if they're they're in a pastor's church, they're always checking with them. Can I do this? Is it you know I'm I'm calling. I, this is my car. And I, you know if it's okay. You know. And they'll build a church to a degree, but they suffer a lot of persecution for it. They're never comfortable there because they don't. There's not the atmosphere to keep them from feeling anything but suspected of doing something wrong. You got me. And so when prophets come in, they see that. And they kind of kick that around. They say, why don't you let them do what they do? They're bringing them here. What do you care? They're soul winners. Let them do what they do and leave them alone. Got me? And so these are the things that we need to have set in order from time to time so that the church can receive the full range of understanding how to soul win. You need the evangelist because that person's kind of fearless when it comes to talking to people. You know, they can go up and talk to anybody. They don't care if they look mean, look ugly, if they're in a prison, if they got a jumpsuit on, if they, you know, what they got on. They'll just go up to them and start telling them about Jesus. Huh? And they don't care. They can cut through that. And if people can get under that anointing, they can receive that same boldness, that same discernment for the lost and so forth and so on. And they need that. And so if we will allow these things to happen the way God wants them to happen, we'll have an empowered and a mature church so that we can go forth and do the work of the ministry without being hindered. So traditional churches do not always have all the power available that God wants them to have. So and, and the end of the enemy is to cause the church to compromise through having a weak atmosphere that allows religious tradition, error, uh, accusation, falseness, all kinds of false ways can be produced in that atmosphere. The church that is not allowed to reproduce after its own kind will start to produce false fruit. Got me? Just more religious people that are after that kind instead of the ones that are one to the powerful gospel through the demonstration and power of the word of God. So the prophetic church uses the vision of the prophet as a guide. So ours is Habakkuk 2, is it 14? 2, 1, I'm sorry. So that's an example. And so we work toward that end. Our job is to stand watch over the work of God. And to keep the, the, the advances of the enemy at bay and to dethrone them and overtake them. Huh? To put them down totally. So we work toward that end. We use the word as our weapon and the anointing of God as the empowerment and the impetus to get this work done. So you can have the word in you, but if there's no anointing to release it, it won't be released. You understand what I'm saying? So timing and permission and, and uh, unction of the spirit is very important to carry out your, your work for God. The prophetic church uses prayer, praise, prophecy and worship and study. And meditation to get her needs met 
and believes in God's word and power as the answer to all things. So we already have the answer to everything. You know, it's here already. So we're not perplexed and we're not, uh, you know, stymied by anything. We know that God will deliver, that there is an answer. I don't care what it is, God has the answer. And we know how to consult God and, and how to seek God so that that answer comes. So that's a prophetic church versus the New Age church. The New Age church has man's answer is, is anchored uh, in liberal philosophy. In other words, the New Age church believes that all paths lead to God. There is not just one way. And if you'll examine many of the, the bold people who are pro- professing this, they'll say, well, you know, all paths lead to God. They'll throw that in kind of as an aside. And that is taken up as, as the way to whatever, you know, the way to God or whatever. That's the new age. No religious practice is forbidden except those that are empowered by Christ. Huh? So you can do whatever you want to do. You want to put Buddha over there, put him on in there. We, we like Buddha. Bring him in here. What else you got? Oh, yeah, you got. Oh, yeah, bring that in. But if you start praying in tongues and you start laying hands on people, you get kicked out. So they, they accept every religious practice except Christianity. They'll allow some Christian rituals and traditions. Hmm? Sometimes they will allow, uh, you know, kind of music. You know, this little peaceful music that you get sometimes in the uh, Catholic chants and stuff like that and, and all of that stuff. They'll incorporate that into to their little meditations and stuff. But they will not allow the truth of the gospel, the word of God, or the power of God to be exalted in their meetings. You know why? Because their little stuff will get busted up. Because people, once they begin to hear and receive truth then they walk away from what's false. huh? You know, if you go to an expert, say, for instance, if you're in the, uh, in the bank and you hand them a bill and they tell you that's counterfeit, and what are you going to do, take it back and say, you don't know what you're talking about. No, you, you submit to the authority of the experts. They handle money. They say your stuff is bogus. You be doing good to get out of there that afternoon because you're about to get ready to go down to jail. You surrender to the truth. You surrender to the power that's greater than you are. You surrender to those things. You don't question them. So the minute that they allow, start allowing the gospel to be preached in these new age places, people are going to hear that and surrender to it. So that's why they don't want us in there. So they will allow some Christian rituals and traditions, but not the gospel to be preached. Their emphasis is usually on personal involvement. And this is where they are, I guess, imitating in a very, very fine, cutting a, a real close line to Christianity in this age because Christianity in the last, I would say, 
century has emphasized a personal relationship with Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ. See, you heard that a lot during the 60s, the 70s. You hear it now that we're not talking about mere church attendance and we're not talking about just going to church or some kind of organized, but we're we're inviting you into a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So in the same way, New Age religion emphasizes personal involvement in what they do. So there you've got your meditations and your yoga. You get personally involved in this. And so it's a counterfeit of our uh, uh, breakthrough, you know, when, when people started understanding that you had to be born again to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that kind of revolutionized Christianity because it made mere church attendance kind of secondary to what you get out of it and what you can take out of it when you leave that place. So what you get when you, get, when you come to church you get your personal relationship enhanced rather than that's all there is to it. You come in there with a personal relationship with God, and then you can take that out, and it can serve you in your everyday, between your church meetings and between your gatherings and so forth. The fact that you take God with you makes all the difference in the world. You have that personal relationship. Well, of course, when the New Age people heard that, they said, oh, they got personal, we got personal too. So they started incorporating all of these different aspects of pagan religion and anything they can throw in into New Age because that's really what the New Age is. It does not discriminate against anything and everybody can get involved because we're getting involved in it personally. We got our personal thing too and so the emphasis is on personal involvement there was a man uh, and he's still alive he's uh, the one of the modern teachers of what they call tm or transcendental meditation the maharishi mahesh yogi they say that he has taught more than 50,000 teachers of tm across the world 50,000, one man. One man has taught 50,000 teachers. Do we have anybody in Christianity that's taught that many leaders? And see, leaders have a different influence because they can go out on their own and get their own groups of people. So if you can say their group is a church or something similar to a church, You've got 50,000 churches out there potentially that are teaching transcendental meditation. And that's just really since the 19, late 1950s, early 1960s, this man has gotten very, very popular. The goal there is to become aware of yourself. It's a self-awareness. Anything that tells you put self before God is from the devil. It's a lie of Satan. Anything from the true and living God. Listen, God is God and he will have no other gods before him. That's always been true. It's always going to be true. 
So you can become aware of everything you got and then some. But God is never going to stop being God for you just because you want to become self-aware. So this takes the focus off of God and puts it on us. And how many of you know that the average person, when they come to church, they're interested in them? I got problems. I need prayer. I need help. I got this. I want that. I'm a, I'm. Mm-hmm. So that fits right in with what the average human being is looking for. They want some help for themselves. But in getting the help in Christianity, you find that you must cultivate a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's how your help comes. See, ours isn't a quick, fast, and dirty way to get yourself established. But you will be helped. But you got to go through it God's way. You're helped through understanding God, through worshiping God, through learning his ways, all of that kind of stuff. And so the new age person cuts through the, the, the God thing. I don't want God. I, I, want, I want self-improvement. If I got to go through God to get it, I guess I just won't get it. I'm gonna, you know, I want myself taken care of. And so they become aware of themselves. They teach that you're to do this about two times a day. And your goal is to reach a state of what they call enlightenment. Now, how they sell this even to stupid people, I don't know. But, you know, when I got saved, the first thing I became aware of was the way that I was living. I didn't realize it, but it was sinful. And I deserved to go to hell for the way I was living. Even though I tried to be a good person, that awareness came to me immediately. And when I would see other people living, you know, blindly the way I used to live, my heart went out to them. I said, God, if they only knew. Do they know God? How You know, that kind of thing. So really, an awareness of God will cause self to kind of melt in the background where self dies and is not important again. So you see how the New Age people, they, they keep self alive. And by doing that and telling you, oh, you, you've got it. Well, see, you haven't been enlightened yet. See, you haven't reached enlightenment. So you've got to keep doing this and do this some more until you get there, but you're not there yet. You've got to reach enlightenment. And then all your, you, you'll be enlightened in enlightened. Right. Nothing you can put your finger on. See, like in Christianity, you knew you were sick when you came in and you got prayer and now you're healed. You can test that. There's fruit there. There's evidence. There's tangibility there. There's not this state. Huh? We're not trying to achieve a state in Christianity. We're there. Huh? We're there. Huh? You may not think you're there, but you're there. Huh? You're as there as you're going to get with the knowledge you have of God today. You get, you get more knowledge, you'll be there to another place. You got me? But you're there. Huh? 
The Bible says we're complete in him. You're not lacking anything. You don't need something else to be approved of by God. You don't, you don't need something to do something and go do something twice a day and get there. You're there. The minute you receive Christ, you're there. Huh? Even the, the newest of believers is complete in him. Huh? We are. And so you can do anything the Bible tells you you can do. And you can achieve anything the Bible tells you you can achieve because you're there already. You have to work to achieve a state somewhere where you can be this and you can be that. And, you know, we don't we don't put people who are just just, you know, you got to go through new beginners class and then you got to go through second beginners class. And, you know, in the meantime, the devil's eating your breakfast, lunch and dinner and they telling you you don't have what it takes to to tell him to stop. You got me? Anybody can open their mouth and say, stop, devil. See, these little things creep in to the church. You know, little little traditions and everything to put the brakes on the believer, to stall us out and make us think that we can't do things. I, I was aware that, that God wanted my whole household saved. Day one when I was saved, that was my desire. Amen. And, and I was able to see everybody serve God. Not only saved, but serve God, most of them. You know, I mean, there's some in tradition and craziness, religion, but they like that. Kool-Aid, <laughs> you know. I let them drink it. You know what I'm saying? You know you pray for them, but you know they just got it in them so tough, you know. But they're saved. Yeah. They could be better, they could be more powerful, they could be all those things, but they're scared of the power. I know because they don't come around me. You got me? We're Christians, but we don't flow together, you know, so I know what they're scared of. But that's okay, because I know they're saved. As much as they want a salvation, they got it. You understand me? They go to church, they worship God, they're born again, I made sure of that. And so, but those are the things that you do when you know God, yourself dies. And what you need is not as important as finding out what God can do for those who don't know him. Like you know him. You got me? Your desire is to see many sons and daughters come to Christ. Starting with them in-laws and outlaws and renegades and trespassers in your household. Huh? In your bloodline, you pray for them. You ask God to save them. You can find out over the years that they do know the Lord. Those kinds of things. But those things become more of your quest for living than becoming aware of yourself. Huh? I'm so aware of myself, I just wish I'd shrink about 30 pounds. Or 40 pounds or 50 pounds. You know, whatever it's going. I'm too aware of myself. <laughs> it's wasted on somebody like me huh? so, so then in, in transcendental meditation enlightenment starts with a place where stress is relieved so you got to believe in stress number one to take this Kool-Aid you got me now I don't believe in stress 
You know, I mean, cast your cares upon me. I care for you. To him, that's, you know, that's my fault. Huh? But God's answers to all of these things are very simple. See? And they come in picking up the word and your relationship with God and relying on him to do these things for you. You don't have to work so hard at getting your stress relieved through meditating. So you can reach enlightenment and be aware of yourself. They never say, though, in TM that you'll contact any God. That you just be aware of yourself. So they don't promise you God. But they promise you self-awareness. Through relaxation of your thoughts through TM, that's how you get, get, um, get enlightenment. So you've got to relax your thoughts. Yoga is another aspect of New Age religion. And yoga is one of the six orthodox schools of Hindu philosophy. So they do offer you a god. So you'll find many times people get involved with TM will pick up one of these because every man needs a god. You got me? And they know this. It originated in ancient India. Yoga is also found in Hindu, Buddhism, Jainism, and Sikhism. Hatha yoga gives you purity of your body. So if you want purity of your body, there are certain yoga exercises that you do under the heading of Hatha, H-A-T-H-A yoga. Yoga Sutra is purity of your mind. Now, aren't you glad that when you got born again, God gave, made you a new creature? You don't have to take yourself apart and I got to work on my body this day, and I got to make up my mind this day, and I got to do my yoga and my TMs and my da 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 da. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Tantric yoga gives you relief from reality. It is a path to salvation. Mm-hmm. Salvation is referred to as relief from the world. Mm-hmm. So you see that there's a mirror of Christianity here. You're in the world but not of it. You cast your cares upon him. You get relief from the cares of this world. They call that relief from reality. Zen Buddhism is a combination of Buddhism and yoga. Yoga positions control bodily functions of heart rate and breathing. Other yoga practices help one to experience a state where one can transcend the natural realm through the mind. So this is where you pick up demonic spirits. Got it? So you get to a point where you can can transcend the natural realm through the mind and don't think most of them people involved in it is trying to get out there. They want to get out there and hear voices. 
They want to get out there and get information. They want to get that out there and see what they can conjure up. You need to know that yoga and TM are an abomination to Islam. So you see in a lot of Eastern nations, you see the radical Islamic factions will come in and fight the Hindus and fight the Sikhs and all these different other (coughs) forms of religion. Yoga has, it's been said that yoga practices, they find drawings of people in yoga positions as far back as 300 B.C. So it got here before Jesus did. And so what it will do over the years is we'll pick up information from Christianity to kind of mirror it and give you a substitute so that people will pick that up and not want the real thing from God. And so in fighting the New Age, folks, we've got to understand that people have counterfeits. That's why a Christian will leave the Christian church and go start meditating because many churches are so focused on appearance, whether or not you come. They don't have any individual attention they give people, so the personal relationship is not centered you know it's not the central aspect of church life see and it should be the central aspect of church life should be in enhancing your personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ and if we've got 40,000 people in here and nobody knows who you are you're easy pickings for TM people because they can tell you you can get attention from yourself You get self-awareness. This will help you personally. Many people have been witnessed to to by Jehovah Witnesses just because they will find out that these people don't know much about the Bible and don't have much of a personal relationship with God, and they will catch you coming out of your church. They'll come by on a Sunday afternoon after you've been to church, and they will find out, try to pick and find out what you know about God. And this knowledge, when they come to you with a greater knowledge, because they know all you do is go and you sit and you don't learn much and you just come right back home again. Then they pick a lot of people out right out of Christian churches because they can give them something they didn't have before. And that is a knowledge of God or a supposed knowledge of God or some information that they think is about God. And they will tell them. They say, see, they don't tell you this in your church. See, they, they don't tell you this. But this is in the Bible. This is, they keep this from you. And so they'll build up a distrust between Christians and the church so that they pull them in. So the church has to be ever vigilant and ever focused on relationship with God, understanding the word of God, understanding her mission and her mandate, and not get pulled away. Don't get pulled off of the the main road just stay on the main road and understand that you have all of this competition against you because the new age is infiltrating the church like never before there's so much compromise in the church so much of, of leadership trying to water down the message and what your leaders believe that's what they feed to you you don't get anything other than what they believe and so this is what's what's happening with the church. The, the New Age, the prophetic church has to blast through all of that and expose those lies and expose and expose people to the truth and get them really born again and tell them that Jesus Christ is still the answer. 
if you will, will, will step away from your sin and quit that and quit making excuses for it. Quit waiting for, for uh, somebody else to tell you it's okay to have five babies out of wedlock. It's not okay. You know it's not working because you can't take care of them yourself. So all of this sin that's tolerated, you know, and, and when you reach a state of enlightenment, they just say you're so aware of yourself you do everything right, you know. And so you got to work and work and work and work and work so that you don't do wrong things anymore. You got to know in your own being, your own conscience, whether you're doing right or not. All of that stuff keeps you from repentance and from coming to God in a humble way so that God can begin to impact your life and bless your life. So the church has to fight all of this. We've got to fight, you know, the, the compromise with the world and ordaining homosexuals and allowing that inside the church now, inside the church. And so the church has to take a stand and fight that stuff off. When you see ministers who are, are getting together groups of people who want to make a stand for traditional marriage, you need to support that and pray for that. Forget about this election. Start supporting somebody who's supporting what we support. And throw your power against that thing and help those people. Put them on your prayers, you know, so that you can ask God to help them keep them from being persecuted so their numbers diminish and they quit doing what they're doing. You need to pray for the Catholic Church to maintain her position against abortion and against all of this ungodliness. You know, they're on the same side that we're on. we got to quit fighting each other and start understanding what we're doing here. So all of this is, is um, um, set up for the infiltration of the human mind with uh, familiar spirits, demonic spirits. Every time you see somebody that's working in familiar spirits, given in a positive light, that's part of this thing that's coming against us. So we're going to get the Long Island medium and make her go back home and bake cookies or whatever she was doing before she got on television. But we got to pray her off of television, folks, because it's too easy now for Christians just to let things slide under the fence and come over on our side and start watering down what God's given us. Amen. Now, the problem with meditation, the way it's taught, is that meditation really encourages the practitioner to relax his will and his mind to contact a state that can easily open a person up to demonic forces in the spirit realm, especially if the person is a seeker. And who doesn't seek God at some point? Who doesn't seek to be right with God at some point? And so they get you in a state where your will is relaxed and you feel that you can contact a state that's higher than what your state of enlightenment is higher than your state before you did all this stuff. If the person does not feel that they've achieved much, they will seek more, more wisdom, more knowledge and more power. And if you seek it through TM, through the power of the human mind, then that will open you up to false visions, false dreams, and familiar spirits. 
what are, how, how is our time back there? You're already there? Like I said, how much is the time on the second one? I don't want to. Oh, we've still got, I got 80 left? Okay. All right, I'm going to give you this one example about Tony Robbins. You all know who he is. <clears throat> he refers to himself as a life coach. So write that down. Life coaches are not for God. You got me? They do not come from God. Because what that is, is it's a false church concept. False, false discipleship concept. So while these people are making disciples, and they just bring them under their package. You know, they package something. They promote something that they say they will be able to help you to achieve. You'll reach a state, supposedly better than you are right now. Tony <clears throat> Robbins refers to God as an intelligent designer. So he is not godly. Okay. Now, when you start looking at who these people got their stuff from, if you look at Tony Robbins and people like him, where they get their stuff from, many of them have picked up understanding philosophy, proverbs, whatever you want to call it, wisdom that they have from people who started out, <coughs> excuse me, understanding God and understanding the word. So they've been discipled on some level by people who either got their wisdom from the word, were nominal Christians or went to a Christian church, understood somewhat of the Bible, not sure if they were born again or not, but they drew their knowledge and understanding from the word, and that's why their training methods work. Because if you apply God's word, even if the curse is attached to it because you're not in covenant with God, you'll get some results. You'll get some success results. You got me? Hard work and determination always bring success. Not quitting always brings success. That kind of thing. And so he refers to God as an intelligent designer. He's a disciple of a man by the name of Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. If you look up his name, he's written many books on success training. He's got a testimony of being born. He was a farm boy, and he got uh, got successful through hard work, et cetera, et cetera. And he had a nice uh, uh, package of, of information to help people. And he had a lot of little nice sayings and proverbs that you could really live by. They would help people to stay on course if you had a plan where you wanted to be a successful business person or something, if you followed that and you kept yourself focused in this way, uh, you got helped. Not many people, trust me, Not 99% of people don't follow anything for very long. So it's only for the 1% that will follow through you know, without fail. You don't have the Holy Spirit to pick you up and keep you going and encourage you. You, you don't get very far. And so he says, but Tony Robbins says this, there is a driving force inside all humans that's once once it is unleashed, it can make any dream or desire a reality. So he says there is a driving force inside all humans that if it's unleashed, it can make any dream or desire a reality. Now think about that. If I want what you have, 
He says there's a driving force inside of me that can make that real. That can make that a reality. So where does that stop? Does it stop with your goods? Does it include your husband? Your wife? Your identity? You got me? So whatever this driving force is, he's told us that everybody's got it. And if we'll get it unleashed, we can make anything that we want happen. God don't promise you that. You see, it's a counterfeit. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So he says the driving force is already in you and he's there to unleash it. He uses the power. He's written a book called Unleash the Power Within. He says there are invisible forces that make us do what we do. And he unleashes the power within. Through a realignment of our values. He has incorporated hypnosis. Firewalking. And he teaches people to create an identity where they feel they can help anyone no matter what their challenge will be. So he's making disciples of people. He's telling you, go out, you can help other people. If you unleash this power and you get this force working in you, you can help other people and you'll be unlimited in what you're able to accomplish, you see. So he has a a system and does this through teachings, seminars. You all know he does the uh, fire walking part of his seminar. He sells tons of tapes where he's got people hooked up to him with earphones constantly. You have instruction for how often to listen to each tape and listen to it as often as you can. Huh? We don't even do that with the word and we know it works. Huh? Our problem is getting the time to get enough of it in us to get to do get it to do what it does. But he gets these people, so to speak, brainwashed, huh? Because he's been trained in hypnosis. And he knows how to get people to a place where they will bypass their will. The first thing the devil wants to do is paralyze your will, make your will ineffective to you to stop anything that comes in, and therefore he's able to get in there and pull you over to his side. And you don't have any control over what the devil will do once he gains access to your mind. Not one thing. You're helpless to do anything against it because you've already left God. You've already been told that you can do this on your own. Oh, you don't have to repent. Oh, those Christians, they, they, they're, they think they're holier than thou. They try to live better than everybody else, but they're no better than we are. So you can do this. You don't have to do all that Jesus stuff in order to. Oprah Winfrey will tell people that. You don't have to. You don't, I don't, no, I don't believe in Jesus. I, I think you, there are spirits around us and they tell us this. She got an answer for everything. An answer for everything. And so. In fighting prophetic people, in fighting the new age, you've got to be aware that people are taking God away from people. 
the first thing the the communists did when they started to infiltrate different parts of Europe and especially in Russia was they took God out of everything. And then the state became your God. The state will take care of you. The state is your religion. The state is your father. The state is your everything. And if you will obey the state, the state will take care of you. And we know how far that went, don't we? Gorbachev was only too glad to tear down the wall. The minute Reagan said it, that wall came down. huh? And then Reagan went in and began to take measures to decrease the size of our government because he said if we're not careful, we'll go the same path that they did, giving more and more over. So now we've got people who are sued the government to get prayer out of schools, suing the government to get you can't pray in the name of Jesus anywhere publicly now. We've got nativity and all that stuff out of public displays in Christmas. So little by little, God is being taken away from the people and replaced with whatever you can, your mind can conjure up and unleashing your power within. So I'm telling you, folks, that we got to prophesy like never before and declare like never before and tell the devil he won't have it. He can't have it. You can't have my children. You can't have my schools. You can't have my anything. You can't have my job. You can't have my mind. You can't have, no, you're not going to get it. You're going to let it go in Jesus' name. And begin to declare the word of God boldly and confidently and share Christ with people. And let them know that, that their yoga and all that stuff is not from God. God should be enough. Why don't you read your Bible? You don't need that. You need to meditate on God's word. What are you doing turning upside down for two hours? Go get on your knees and ask God for what you need. Huh? And begin to put that stuff in its proper place in the stupid, ridiculous pile that it belongs in. And God will be pleased. He'll be able to get more truth into people and pull people away from this nonsense. Because it's certainly taking the people to hell because it's taking God out of their lives. And replacing it with something that has a form but no power. It takes up your time, makes you feel like you're doing something that's making you better, but it's got no power to change you and make you any different. Why don't we stop? Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us understanding and imparting to us knowledge and power and authority to do your will in this earth, Father. And we will stop this thing from proceeding any further. And Satan, we tell you right now, we stop you in your tracks. You cannot have the church of the living God. The gates of hell will never prevail against us. We stand against you. We declare to you, you have no power nor authority to pull us into your web of deceit, your web of trickery. We say with Job, though he slay us, yet will we trust him. We don't need the world. We don't need any of the world's goods. We have a kingdom of our own to draw from. You can't blackmail us and you can't threaten us into doing what you want us to do. We thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, Howard, why don't you put on some music? What I'll do is we'll, um, everybody kind of scoot your chairs in a little bit more. I want everybody touching somebody. So if, uh, say like people on the end of an aisle can touch the people across and come on down girls a little bit and touch the people who are here. Praise God. I want everybody connected with somebody. I don't want any broken. Why don't you guys come down here in these empty seats because we've got a broken connection here. Speak to us now. Miss Donna, you got somebody? If you guys back in the back can everybody touch somebody and make sure there's no broken connection. Okay, Lil Howard, sit across from Diane and touch her. And Tone, you touch between Lil Howard and Miss Juana. And that should have everybody. Thank you, Lord. Hello, broken connection. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Come on in, honey. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to impart the anointing now. You know, you need boldness and fearlessness because the devils, you, you know, you can't win souls like you used to do in the 80s where you just loved Jesus and people just wanted the joy you had on you. People are hard. And then they want, they got their own joy. They don't need nothing for God. And they'll tell you that pretty much. You got me? And so what we need to do is ask God for more boldness. Like they did, the disciples did. When they told him, you can't pray in Jesus' name, and they threatened to put him in jail, the answer was, Father, give us more boldness so that we won't faint when we have to go out and do this again, and we're going to go and do it again. Amen? So I'm going to release that to us, more boldness. In the name of Jesus. More boldness in Jesus' name. Father, give them a word. Empower them. Give them that fearlessness, Lord. Give them that authority. Give them that authority, Father. Boldness! Come. 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 Come, come, break through on them, Lord, break through on everybody here, Father, break through on everybody here, Lord, break through and cause them to break out in such a boldness and a confidence and a word that will not be fought and will not be subdued and will not be overcome, but that word will follow. And that word will produce. And that word will bring fruit. And will win the loss. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we'll call for that boldness when we need it. We'll edify our spirits 
praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping ourselves in the love of God, that that boldness and that confidence would be on us at all times. Come. Boldness. Come. 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 In Jesus' name. Come. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. You're our great teacher, our comforter, the one called alongside of us to walk with us in this earth, fill our mouths with words, enlighten us, put us in the right place at the right time. Boldness, come, 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 come. Come, come, come. Come, 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 come. Boldness, come, 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 come. Fearlessness. Thank you, Lord. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Bold as a lion. Bold as a lion in Jesus' name. Bold as a lion. In the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Urandariya <laughs> Kurandariya shia handaya sikiriandariya ha ha Kurandaya ha ha rabosia handaya Kuratashia handaria Kuratashia handaria sikiriandaria Kurata harata 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 Shiandaya to see a handaria sikiriandaria Kurandaria shia handaya sikiriandaria Kuratashia handaya sikiriandaria Kurandaria shia handaya Kuratashia handaya Kurandaria shia handaya sikiriandaria shia handaya Kurataharatashia handaya Ho 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 Ramosi Kurandaria shia handaya Kuratashia handaya Kuratashia handaya sikiriandaria. Kurandaria shia handaya sikiriandaria. Kuratashia handaya. Heratasia handaya sikiriandaria. Kuratashia handaya. Kuratashia handaya sikiriandaria. Kuratashia handaya sikiriandaria. Ramosia handaya. Kuratashia handaya sikiriandaria. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Micah 4.10. Be in pain. 
and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt you go forth out of the city, and you shall dwell in the field, and you shall even go to Babylon. There shall you be delivered. There the Lord shall redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Now also many nations are gathered against you, they say. Let her be defiled. Let her eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord. Neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves unto the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. I will make your horn iron, and I will make your hoofs brass. And you shall beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord, and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth, saith the Lord. So that spirit of travail is very important in bringing forth deliverance and bringing forth salvation. You see how easily it comes upon you. Just by impartation. It's not something you got to work up or try to conjure up or anything like that. But it comes forth naturally from the Spirit. God knows what's needed at what time. And so as you travail, you bring forth deliverance. You bring forth subduing the enemies. And you bring forth the exaltation of God's kingdom in its season. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I hope you all were paying attention and praying in the Holy Ghost because God really imparted something to you. If you stayed with it, you don't let your mind wander, you know. Too many times people can't stay with it enough to get what God has for them. But I'm persuaded of better things. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So as far as what the Lord wanted me to minister, I think we're done. 